What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of the Breaking the Plane podcast. Want to shout out our boys over at Primetime Productions, who we partner with. Check them out on Twitter at Primetime Prods, their website, primetimeproductions.net. Continuing to add content daily to that website. All four sports, including college, are covered as well. Lots of great content, so be sure to check them out. I'm your host, Burge, back again. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself with the way my Patriots have been playing. It's been miserable following football this year, but here I am ready to let you all listen to me talk about it. I'm sure my co-host Joe sure, AKA the King shithead shares that <laughs> mindset. How you doing today, Joe? Uh, better today. I'm glad we don't record on Sunday afternoons because we would just be obituizing, uh, obituizing myself. Is it obituary? Yeah, you're right. You got it. Yeah. Anyway, this week we're uh, we're lacking Kojak. He's uh, stuck in a hole somewhere in uh, northeastern Massachusetts. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him and the construction crew that's still working. Uh, but we do have my brother from another mother, Shiloh Van Hill, aka Shy. Uh, he's uh, a, our uh, our token uh, our token Jets friend in our uh, friend group here. So go ahead and t- tell us a little something about yourself, there, Shy. How's it going, guys? I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I've been listening to every single episode. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. Um, it's very weird hearing a Patriots podcast that I can actually enjoy listening to. Um, <laughs> uh, background about me, I am not anymore because I reside in Austin, but I was in the worst fan base situation possible. I'm a Jets fan living in New England for about 15, 20 years during the Brady era. So um, oh, man. I did find out a toaster does not float in the bathtub a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm happy to be on here. And shout out to Kojak, wherever he is. Um, happy belated birthday to him. Finally, yeah, the 28 plus him. He's finally getting old. It's finally getting yep. old. I got. I got to ask you, Shay. How, how how has it been dealing with with this curse of the Jets? Obviously, we know what what's gone on with the Patriots over the last twenty years with the dominance that the Patriots have had. But this year of all years was supposed to be like the year for the Jets to really make that step with getting Aaron Rodgers in to go with that elite defense and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall in that offense. And then all of a sudden, the first drive of the game, Aaron Rodgers goes down. How, I, I, I got to know what was it going on in your mind at that moment, because as somebody who was watching that really did, wasn't invested in it, I was just like, oh my God, the Jets are cursed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds it sounds corny, it sounds overused, but like, it's just, it's so Jets. Like, no, <laughs> like, no other way to put it. We get a four-time MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, he willingly wants to come to the Jets, which is something that nobody wants to do usually, mm-hmm. unless we, un- un- unless yeah, unless we break the bank on them. And he actually took a pay cut coming to us, so it was. He should have seen it from a mile away. Way too good to be true. Um, being a are Jets you mad fan, they sold out for all of his buddies? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You look at our O line this year. Uh, I know I'm a. I'm a couch GM, like obviously Joe Douglas is a GM for a reason, but to go into the season with a 38 going on 39 year old quarterback and not doing anything to improve the O-line other than draft a young center who is playing, is playing uh, relatively good, but to go in with grabbing no veterans and yet bringing in Alan Lazard, who 
can't catch anything for the life of them, and bringing in Randall Cobb to be a locker man guy when we don't need that. We we needed people at the front, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know where where to really go at it. I'm just sad. Yeah, it's just so sad that Lazard's a fucking he's a healthy scratch, and you guys have guys let up four sacks and eight tackles for a lot. You want to? We can just jump into this game now. We're kind of already starting on the Jets. Go with okay it with that. Yeah, I just like. Uh, <clears throat> It was so bad because, like, dude, the 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 Falcons didn't play particularly well. You know what I mean? They didn't play great in this game. They didn't run the ball particularly great. Desmond Ritter, I think, had, like, under 50% passing. He had that one touchdown, 120-yard touchdown throw. But like I said, Atlanta had four sacks and eight tackles for a loss. That Jets O-line could, couldn't it, – it was it was almost like every play there was a free runner. And I know that's partially on the quarterback, but you got to have some kind of veteran. Like you said, you have a young center. Like having a young center and not, not a lot of talent around is a recipe for disaster. Because you can even – like the Eagles, you can see Kelsey, when, when Hertz makes a bad read, he can reset the play or reset the protection and kind of cover up for that stuff. He, but, he, but he has a skill around him to help him out as well. But mm-hmm. – I don't think – I think it doesn't matter if it's Boyle, Simeon, or Wilson. I think right now Wilson might actually give you the best chance to win because of his mobility because fucking Boyle and Simeon look like statues out there. But, I mean, like you said, dude, it's it's just sad because the team the team was set up – it was set up to be a Ferrari and then they just forgot to put gas in it or forgot to put tires on it with the O-line. It's just could have been a lot better, obviously. 100%. And what you were saying about Philly's offensive line, the main thing that comes out of that is the chemistry. Those guys have been there for – they've been there since their first Super Bowl appearance back in 2017 uh, of recent. And I'd say about three of those guys are still there with the transition of maybe two or three coming in along the way. Jets have eight starting lineups so far this season. There's no chemistry wow. built there. Yeah. There's no well, communication being available. What what's happened to Makai Becton? I remember when he first came out, like as a rookie, like he was like a, a gigantic dude and was was a beast when he was out there. Like, what's mm-hmm. happened to him? What's happened to him with his decline? Uh, he's just he's just injury injury ridden. His first year, he got injured towards the end of the season. Uh, second year, out the whole season, and year after that, tears his ACL in in uh, preseason. It's just yeah, when he preseason. I'll quote what you guys force on this show and emphasize best ability is availability and he's a great when he's on the field but he reminds me of a lower version of jason peters jason peters was awesome but he could never stay on the mm-hmm. field it's True. a good it's a good comp wasn't elijah vera tucker uh, a first round pick too wasn't he yeah. a very was a high draft pick and he's a guy that's kind of underperformed as well right yeah i'm gonna sound like a broken record great <laughs> great when he's on the field yeah. but last two seasons been ruled out for the season for uh, I, I want to say uh, pectoral injury and then another, yeah. another knee injury. It's unfortunate it's when, cra- when that happens. It's unfortunate. Go ahead. Yeah, It's just crazy how much of an Achilles heel a fucking offensive line could be. Like, dude, the Jets are loaded at – good. I mean, before when they had Aaron Rodgers, they were loaded at every single position on offense. Like, even you have two serviceable tight ends well with Uzama and Conklin. Or Con- yeah. Is it Conklin or Conklin? Yeah. yeah. So you have serviceable – you have serviceable or, or very above average in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, skill players at every position. But it's just mm-hmm. – dude – like you, you could say that like if you had an offensive line like the Eagles or the Niners, you could plug and play any quarterback with the kind of. I mean, Gary Wilson's a great jump ball guy, great contested catch guy. Don't need to be the most. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you don't have to be the most accurate thrower. 
Look at last year. He played the whole year with Wilson and backup QBs. He still put up a thousand yards and a bunch of touchdowns. And you have Brees Hall, who's a great at who's great with the ball in his hands. After the catcher, even between the tackles, he can break it in and run for run for 80, 90 yards for a touchdown. So it seems like I don't know. It's it, I, if I was the Jets and I was investing in all in this season, I I don't know. I mean, it's a catch twenty two, right? If you don't sign Lazard and Cobb, do you get do you even get Aaron Rodgers? Or do you try to get Aaron Rodgers and use and convince him without those players and then use that money to on the offensive line? Or do you even have that money? Cause he's like, well, I'm not taking a pay cut if you're not bringing my guys in with the extra money I give you. So I don't know. Part of it is you got the players culpable, but I don't know. Some like, I think we said it last week about Josh Allen. Sometimes you have to save quarterbacks from themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, you look at this game too against Atlanta. I mean, the final score of this game was 13, eight. It was one of those, another greasy grindy, Probably a bad football game. Again, I didn't watch it, so I don't know if it was bad football. But, I mean, anytime you see a score that low, you, you think, like, either strong defensive performance or bad football. And I'm going to lean towards the latter as somebody just looking at it from above just because mm -hmm. of what these two teams are. Atlanta can't get out of their own way either. I mean, Arthur Smith down there, you know, at times this year, hasn't used uh, Kyle Pitts, hasn't used Bijan Robinson in roles that they need to be used in. And Kyle Pitts, when he came – when he was drafted – he was billed as a generational talent at the position and yeah. we're going on what year three now with him. And yeah. he's, he's, a he's, you don't know, almost call him a, bu a bust at this point. Like I think Kyle Pitts, if he's a guy, he needs to get out of that situation and get to a different team because his career can, can take off at any point. Just, just based on what he was when he came into the league and just seeing that the Jets didn't even go to Zach Wilson in this game, I thought that I saw the reports that like he didn't want to go into this game. You see him joking around with Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. That whole position for that team is a mess right now, and it, it's at this point they're pretty much uh, out of playoff contention. They're not mathematically eliminated yet by any means, but take a real miracle to get them there. And it just seems like let's just play for next year. I, if Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays this year, I think it'd be stupid on his part to risk another injury to come back. Yeah, I can't. I, why would you even do that? Risk more injury to come back this year? That would be so silly. That'd be so. I mean, silly. I mean I'm rooting. I'm rooting for it. Why? Yeah. I don't know why anyone. Would or do he that. just he, he just, wants to. Def he wants to. Uh, he wants to prove everybody wrong and come back. I hope he comes. I hope he comes back. And is the placeholder for a field goal by Greg Zerline and takes has to snap. take a snap, has to take a snap. Oh, yeah, he's exactly, yeah. exactly. And he's still he's gonna come back to send Joe to that <laughs> ayahuasca hut. He's in his head. Aaron Rodgers is thinking about it. He's gonna yeah. send Joe to the ayahuasca hut to get yeah. somebody in his. But corner. he would, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a perfect kind of dude to be like, all right, I have this like huge team of social media people. Fucking search the web for my name on, and I'm listening to every segment on every fucking podcast. And he locked it on this one. It just so happened to be the one episode. I'm like, I'm going in the hut if he comes back. And now there's a picture of me like fucking Ivan Drago on fucking Rocky fucking Mirror in Tiberian Tundra. And every fucking morning he goes into the fucking HGH clinic and he's like, Joe, sure. If he tests yeah. positive, if he tests positive, I get I get three podcasts to myself to talk about whatever I want. That's I'm that not agreeing to that. Is. I'm not agreeing to that. Well, I guess I'm the only one, one. With nuts on this podcast. You get one. one. You get one. One. All right. One. Deal. I'll Deal. sit here and I'll Damn, take any kind of. I'll I'll sit here and I'll take any kind of slander you want to throw my way, and I won't say a word. It, that it'll be an hour. Right. It'll be an hour's worth of Joe streaming his lawn mower game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh! And if you see edges, this, this is beautiful. an EV. 
this is an electric only contract. So I actually have to <laughs> lean. I have to put a lean against one of my tractors to buy an EV tractor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The Jets fucking the Jets. The, the Falcons aren't good. And dude, did you know Arthur Smith's dad is the CEO and founder of FedEx? And yes. that he could just he could just quit the Falcons right now and be just as rich and well off as he is. Mm-hmm. He's doing that for to that franchise for no fucking reason. Yeah. No reason. He has no reason to have a job or do anything. Nothing. Mm-hmm. His dad's worth seventy two billion dollars. Wait, seventy two with a B? Yeah. Yeah. If he it's if he's the CEO of FedEx, yeah, it's got to be B. It's got to be a yeah. B. It's a couple I do. Billions, dude. I do want to say I want to give credit to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I know it was an ugly game. Uh, not much. No offense at all. Uh, Desmond Ritter looked a lot better than he actually is, but Atlanta did get it right with their defense. They put in a lot of money this offseason. Jesse Bates is a mm-hmm. dog. Absolutely. Jesse Bates is a dog. He's consistent. He's been doing this the entire year. Uh, adding in Bud Dupree, too. I feel like he was kind of forgotten after he left uh, Pittsburgh, and he's, Steelers, he's yeah. starting to have a spark again. I totally agree. Absolutely. But well, it's just it's crazy. You gotta say it's they're the classic, like they're they got it right on one side of the ball, and I feel like they're just a quarterback away. Like, I mean, they have B. John Robinson, they have Pitts. I think Drake London could be a pretty decent asset to a good to a mm-hmm. good quarterback. I just think like they can't really they they haven't been figured they haven't been able to run the ball with fucking B. John Robinson, which is like not being able to run the ball with Barry. By Sanders. choice. By choice. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't yeah. been putting him in there and giving him the exactly. carries. Which, exactly. Which is a coaching decision. I don't. So does does I don't know. I mean, they gave him 16 touches this week, and he didn't. He didn't. I think he had like three yards of carry. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. Oh, they gave him 20 touches, and he had 50. He had 53 yards. What is that? I can't do that in my head. 2.9 a 2.9 average of the 12 long. So I don't know. They're another team there where uh, at the two most important co- like positional groups, the O line and the quarterback, they really don't have to mm-hmm. figure it out, but everywhere else they really do. If you're, if you're going to spend a high asset on a player, like a high draft pick, like Bijan and Kyle Pitts, you need to use them the way that you need to build around them. And Atlanta's not doing that right now. So Agreed. we'll see, we'll see where it goes, you know, in the off season, what they can do to address their team. And uh, we obviously and, know what the jets need. They need, yeah, they need and, a, and, uh, Falcons too. They're still they're still first in their division. <laughs> Dude, they're six and six. Oh my god! It's a, gar- it's a garbage. It's a garbage division. The, the Selfs were the were the ones we talked about as being the garbage divisions, and the uh, AFC South actually looks decent. The NFC South is just horrible, mess. horrible. Yeah. So let's talk about two good teams now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, to two good teams and. We're going to talk about the 49ers and the Eagles next year. That was a game that I watched. Mr. Kojak last week had had the Eagles play. <laughs> what was it? Minus plus three, right? They were plus, plus three. Eagles plus three. That only missed by 20 fucking points. Yeah. They, 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 they had a rough day. They had a rough day out there. Um, 49ers beat the, uh, the Eagles in Philadelphia, 42 to 19. And let's just say that Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are dogs. Like they, this is a classic case. Like we talk about this all the time, Joe, about a quarterback just being able to go in there and manage the game. Brock Purdy is doing that. And I think he's doing more than that. I mean, he only threw eight incompletions in this game, three fourteen and four touchdowns. Tebow had two of them. Ayuk had one and Juwan Jennings had the other. Christian McCaffrey found pay dirt uh, on the ground. Debo for third time found pay dirt on the ground. It was like, it, it, this was kind of a game where the Eagles, I think, were were flirting with all year with how they've won games. They, there's been some games that they've kind of squeaked by and just found a way to win it. 
and they got their pants blown off. And I wish we saw this last year in the in the NFC title game before you know Brock Purdy's out there trying to throw a ball with no elbow, and just I think I'm I'm I've been big on the 49ers on this pod since we started doing this thing, and I'm 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 rolling with them. What do you think? Well, we always preface big games like this or games that we talk about. We always preface it. Who's it say more about? I think this says 10 times more about the Eagles than it does the Niners. I think we knew this about the Niners. They're an extremely explosive offense with a team with a defense that if you have to play from behind, you have to throw on them. It's going to be a long fucking day. They have six guys on the on the defensive line that can get after the passer. They're all fresh. And it's crazy when you when he got into the third quarter of this game. It's like it was like they had it's like the Eagles offensive linemen were standing in mud. They have so many guys that can rotate through there and keep fresh. But I mean, the Eagles rushed for under 50 yards, 2.6 yards a rush. Jalen Hurts, uh, Jalen Hurts was 26 of 45, threw the ball 45 times. As a team, they threw it 48 times because they had uh, Mariota go in at the end, uh, go in a little bit when uh, Hurts was. Uh, I don't know if it was injured or when he was when it was just a blowout. I know he got. I know we went. I think it was like con- I, I think it was. Uh, they were looking at him for a concussion. I think. Okay. But- yeah, but the Eagles, dude, I'm scared. I'm if I was an Eagles fan, this would be a little bit jarring. Uh, I think the fact that they went out and signed uh, what's his name, uh, Leonard. Uh, yeah, they went Leonard, out and yeah. Leonard. Yeah, they went out and signed Leonard. They gave up. Uh, what was it? They they gave up like uh, almost 500 yards of total offense in this game. So I think they have something to figure out. I think if the Eagles are playing from the kind, they're kind of cooked. I think that, uh, and I think when you run up against a team like the 49ers who are built to play from ahead, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And I think if this is an NFC championship game, and then what now that they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles, I know they're still a, a full game back, but now they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles, and the Eagles potentially would have to play on the road in a rematch. I don't know. It's it, this, is, this game had a lot of big implications, and I would not be pumped if I was a Philly fan. Next week, next week's a big game for the Eagles. They got to play the Cowboys. They got to play the Cowboys. That's going to be a big game for them. And uh, it's in Dallas. So, yeah. You got any thoughts, Shy, on this on this matchup? I don't know. I didn't catch this game as much. I got glimpses of it. Uh, I had family over, unfortunately. But, um, yeah. I, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, my mother-in-law was standing in front of the fucking TV. Yeah. No, no, of course not. <laughs> No, Love she sits them. on the couch and talks. Yeah. But um no, I, I I mean there's not much to really say about it. 42 to 19, that's no matter what your tier is in this league, that's unexcusable. Um I just I just think the 49ers, they really they really are the top dogs right now in the league. When they're all there, when all of their uh star players are in, I, I don't think they're touchable by any by anybody else. Just once again back to the chemistry. You even see on that uh, Debo Samuel rushing touchdown, George Kittle is able to block two guys and let him walk into the end zone. It's just like they know where they're going to be. They know the play before it's going to happen. And uh, I think Brock Birdie's a perfect quarterback for that offense. They're so locked into. They're like so like it's like the execution is like the buy-in and the execution is just fucking. It's it's honestly beautiful football to watch. Juxtaposing it to like mm-hmm. watching the Patriots and the Chargers like fumble around in the rain and like stumble all over themselves, and then turning it over to this game and watching the fucking 49ers execute on offense. It's unbelievable. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go back to the MVP thing, dude. I can't stand these fucking MVP, dude. Brock Purdy is not the most valuable player. Not dude, close. Just like, 
just like last week, dude, he's not even the most valuable player on his side of the ball, dude. There's three other players on the offense alone that are more valuable than him. Maybe even four, dude. They lost. They lost. Uh, they lost Debo and they lost. Uh, they lost Trent Williams for a game, dude. And they go zero and three, dude. So it's just mm-hmm. the the most aggravating part about the fucking MVP is just just coming a fucking a, a fucking quarterback trophy, dude. Tyreek Hill goes off, has 140 yards in one fucking half of football, and they win by 35 fucking points solely on his back, dude. And you could even say that Tua has a better week than Brock Purdy, and they mm-hmm. still they, somehow Brock Purdy is still the number one, dude. It doesn't matter, like your team record. Yeah, it should matter. Obviously, if you have comparable stats to somebody else and you have a better team and a better overall record, then yeah, maybe you should get the nod more because maybe what you're producing and your production is being more conducive to winning. But like right now, I would, if you took, if you took either Debo, Trent Williams or McCaffrey off that offense, they're all, it would suffer way more than putting the next placeholder for fucking Brock Purdy. It's so, Mm -hmm. it's so aggravating, dude. It's like, Mm -hmm. I hate Tyree Hill as a person and I don't like the Dolphins, but he is a clear cut, most valuable, valuable with a V like valuable player in the league this year. I I think Mm -hmm. he's, I think he's on pace to be the first 2000 yard receiver. He's in in NFL history. And I think that if Calvin Johnson do it, I don't think he hit it. I don't think he hit it. Um, I think that he was very close, but I think that if Tyree Hill does this at if Tyreek Hill does this in 16 games or less, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. But if, yeah. if he does it in 17, it's it, it, it comes with a caveat to it because obviously Wait, the added you, game. And I don't think I don't think Calvin Johnson did get it. I don't think he did. No, I mean uh, Julio were the closest. They were close, dude. Mm-hmm. But he there was some. He is on pace. Like his pace is like even faster than Megatron's right now. He's at fifteen. He's fifteen hundred yards through what twelve games? Are you yeah. fucking serious? If he hits two thousand and sixteen or less, it's 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 a it's the best season for a wide receiver in NFL history. If it's seventeen, he's four. He's got four games to get five hundred yards. He's, yeah. he, he he can accomplish that in that offense yeah. down there. But dude, I, I sixteen yards of reception, dude. Ninety three receptions through twelve games for fourteen hundred eighty one yards. Holy fuck! Right? Holy fuck! If you want to talk about receptions, Keenan Allen just hit that a hundred. He just hit 100 receptions in the, in the is game. Is he the most underrated player of this generation? Ah, uh, he's is it just yeah. He's just like he's just so quiet, and it's just like maybe because he plays for the Chargers on the West Coast, mm-hmm. a lot of four o'clock, a lot of late games, a lot of injuries <clears> for him it, though. He, yeah, he gets but hurt dude, a lot. But doesn't he have consistent. 10 thousand yards and a, t- and a thousand receptions? He's he's a consistent yeah. receiver when he's on the field. Yeah. When he's on the field, he's a consistent guy. Yeah. I, I put him in the Mike Evans kind of category. That's a good comp. I like that. I would rather yeah, have Mike Evans. Yeah. But just, just quickly going back to the whole MVP thing, I, we can rehash this whole thing again. I think we just talked about it last week. But, like, let's just let's just name the, 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 the best quarterback award, the Tom Brady Award. Let's just make it yes. that. And the yes. MVP should be the most valuable player for a team. And, again, like I, like I said last week, it doesn't matter if the team is, like, good or makes the playoffs or whatever. If The, the award should be for if that team was missing that player, their team is substantially worse. It doesn't matter to me. It team could be a six-win team, but without that one player, if they win one game, that's a most valuable player for me. Like mm-hmm. I want to see somebody other than a quarterback get it. Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, those guys I would put light years ahead of somebody like Brock Purdy. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Yeah. And the first the first seven or eight uh candidates for the MVP are all quarterback. 
And there's no way. There's no way that there's eight <clears throat> quarterbacks that are better than Tyreek Hill, better than Christian McCaffrey. Dude, but Brock Purdy was behind Tyreek Hill and behind Christian McCaffrey last week, and then they have this. He has one 300 yard game in a prime time spot in the game of the week spot, and he vaults to number one. Well, it's because they love the story. He's Mister Irrelevant, and mm-hmm. the, last the way he drafts. The way he started his career, I think he was what sixteen and zero until he lost to the yeah. Browns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a great stat, but again, I it, it disgusts me. Like I'm 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 right there with you, Joe. I agree with you hundred percent. Um, you want to move on to to our next game here, Joe? I'll yeah, let let's you talk go. about our babies. Let's our talk babies. about our go baby. For it. Time right to away with it. Fucking kneecaps, bitch. Uh, Detroit at, uh, Detroit at new Orleans. We have, uh, the lions 33, uh, the saints 28. Uh, I think, uh, this game got out to a, I had this game as one of my picks. I think it was my lock. It got, uh, the lions got out to a 21 to nothing lead. And then they proceed to get outscored 28 to 12 in the preceding three quarters. So it was kind of a terrifying Mm -hmm. game for me to watch. Uh, it was kind of one of those ticker watches and kind of caught up on some highlights later, but, um, this is the classic emotional bounce back that I was talking about last week. Not to toot my own horn, but this is exactly what I predicted to happen in my pick. I, kn- I know there was an emotional game last week. They got slapped on Thanksgiving, so they had 10 days mm-hmm. to stew and think about it with an absolute lunatic with an absolute lunatic head coach who I guarantee didn't let them forget about how shitty they port- played on national television. So, dude, they run the ball for 142 yards at almost five yards a clip. Jared Goff has an efficient day, 16 to 25, 213 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, quarterback rating of 118. You have Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta, dude. Making that TJ Hawkinson trade look like an absolute highway robbery, dude. They mm-hmm. got this dude in two yeah. second round picks, bro. Like that's that's I don't know. I think it's I think it's impressive what Detroit's doing. They're nailing a lot of their draft picks, especially on the skill positions on offense. They're holding it together just enough on defense. And uh, I think Jared Goff having a swan song in uh, in Detroit, kind of after the whole shit went down with uh, him leaving LA and them immediately winning a Super Bowl, kind of a nice feel good story. Um, and I'm glad they bounced back this week because I want to see them in a uh, I want to see them in a home playoff game. I think they deserve it. Absolutely, I'm right there with you. Like like we've talked about on this podcast, we're huge fans of the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff was a throw in in that trade for uh, Matthew Stafford. Just basically, it was, salary. Jared Gro- Jared it was Goff, a salary right? move. It was a, it was to clear the salary so they they uh, the Rams could fit Stafford on their on their cap. And yeah, them winning the Super Bowl that year. And, you know, you see Jared Goff, that couldn't have felt good for him. But seeing what he's doing up there right now with that offense, I mean, he's got talent around him up there. The two running backs, Jahir Gibbs and David Montgomery, are a great tandem to have, you know, in the backfield. They rushed for 142 yards in this game. I am a huge fan of Amon Ross St. Brown. I got him at my bunch of my fantasy teams. I, I think he's an absolute beast. He only was uh, only had two receptions this, in this game, but he did have a touchdown in 49 yards. So he had a couple of big big catches and uh yeah i just i love everything they're doing i think Derek carr got hurt in this game too so i think he left for the saints Jameis winston came in Jameis winston in my opinion is one of the better backups to have in in the league right now um but i mean he's one of the better content providers as an nfl player that you can <laughs> possibly find <laughs> dude yeah, i'm doing there you go, there you go. Ankle, the ankle the little ankle workouts with the rubber band in the end zone before every game like what are you doing <laughs> That's what I happens mean, when you would like tell like your fucking one of your boys you grew up with, like, yo, go get a personal trainer license online and you could be my personal trainer. I'll give you a hundred grand a year. Have like, you seen the video of him? Have you seen friend. the video of him uh at, at somebody's house where he's doing the whole the dancing thing oh, around? Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like, what are you even working on when you're doing that? Like you're just like 
It's, 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 he looks it's, it's hilarious. Hilarious. His workouts look like that golfer on the driving range with all the training aids. They have like the thing on the head and the thing mm-hmm. under their arms and the arm lockout tool and everything. <laughs> no, I think I think the best video is uh, it's got to be like two years ago. Saints won a big game. And during that game, Jameis Winston must have blew his knee out or something. Yes. You see, you see Alvin Kamara and all of them like bumping in the locker room, and you just see him on crutches, just dancing, freaking on out. one leg with the crutches. Yeah. <laughs> one leg. Looking like dude. Travis Scott at the concert. Dude, did you know that they put in special like light programming in the Saints locker room so they can have those like post-win parties? So and then when they redid the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, they did like all this crazy like AV stuff, like audiovisual stuff to the Saints locker room. So they have these giant boom boxes, dude, that all like connect to all the speakers. So and they have all the lights and shit like that. So they can like just like they don't have to have somebody like, you know, at a party used to like somebody used yeah. to stand next to the lights and turn the lights on and off. Yeah. Like, they don't need that shit anymore, dude. They literally have that <laughs> shit like programmed into their locker room, like lights and shit. <laughs> I, I wonder if they have like an option for when they lose too. It's just like thunderclouds and like <laughs> drops down into the locker room. It's just Mozart, so nobody breaks a window yeah. and shit. Yeah. You hear that old country guy? I hurt myself today. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Emotional damage. Um, yes. Yes. Um, but I, yo, Chris Olave is good though. Sorry, yeah, go for it. No, I'm I'm with you guys on Detroit. They're a very hard team to not like. I, I imagine even the even the NFC North uh, opponents that they have, like they have a hard time hating them. They did it right. They got the right coach in there. Uh, David Montgomery, that signing I thought was stupid, getting rid of Swift, but he's turned out to be a pretty pretty good pretty good uh, combo for him and and uh, Gibbs. Yeah, but um, the biggest the the biggest thing is Sam Laporta. I think it's crazy how Iowa tight ends come out and they become the best receiving tight ends in the league within a couple years. It's and they don't score shit in college, dude. These these are like blocking tight ends in college, and they come out and yeah. they're like unbelievable receiving yeah. tight ends. They and, they go into the Lions preseason, catch their first ball in practice, like holy shit, like what is happening right now? Was Hawkinson, <laughs> was Hawkinson an Iowa guy? I'm not a college football yeah. guy, so like was it Hawkinson you, and uh, Kittle, right? Yeah, and Noah Fant, and there's one other guy in the league right now from Iowa who's pretty good. I knew Noah Fant, and Noah Fant's like an absolute crazy athlete. You think they would have been yeah. able to get him the ball? And in, in mm-hmm. college, well, That's they had Haw- sorry, uh, Noah Fan and Hawkinson were on the same, we're in oh, draft at the same, same time. Yeah, oh, they had, there's only one ball, dude. That's- and then that they they have that head coach that can't figure out how to score, and he's just churning out these fucking tight ends. Sam Laporta, yeah. Sam Laporta had a fucking six points by himself today, which is mm-hmm. like the entirety of a Iowa offense for like four quarters. Oh yeah. That's crazy. Like, I, like I said, I don't, I don't follow the college, so that that I didn't know that all those guys came from that one school. Like, those are no offense, obviously not having trouble up in up in Seattle right now with given what that what that team is. But like, mm-hmm. he was an absolute stud when he came out. Like, he was a top pick. I drafted him in like my dynasty fantasy league like early on because because of what he was. He was pretty good in Denver before he got traded. I want to say he's they like, were both yeah, he's... like top thirteen picks in that draft. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was Laporta uh, a second round pick? Did they was that a direct use of that fucking one of the Hawkinson picks? Uh let's not do this now, Joe. It was second Sorry. round, 34th overall. Damn, dude. What how did that's so that is so good. Like that is such fiscally responsible. Like that is such like yeah. that is unbelievable asset management by the mm-hmm. way. That is unbelievable. And I, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to the Lions, dude, like I laughed when when Dan Campbell had that that 
introductory press conference where he's talking about biting kneecaps. And, you know, when they drafted Jameer Gibbs early, I was like, what are they doing? Like they mm-hmm. have, they, they, I think they still had Swift at that point and they had just signed Montgomery too. So I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then yeah. dude, would prove me wrong. And what do I know? I'm just a guy, an old guy sitting here doing a podcast, but like, man, they slammed that out of the park, dude. It, it panned out well for them. And I think, yeah, I think that Thanksgiving loss just put a spark under them. Cause the way that they, the way that they started this game, I saw, a, I saw a uh, stat this morning on this game. They're the first team in NFL history to score three offensive touchdowns in the first seven minutes of a game. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah, they're such an emotional team, and they're so fun. They play so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I really, it's I'm nice real- to have a motivating head coach who like believes in you. It'd be so nice. All right, that answers that. That answers the question I just pointed to you in, in the uh, in the chat right there, uh, there, Joe. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition oh, yeah. this right now. <laughs> Go for it to the Chargers and the Patriots. What a <laughs> what a barn burner that we had up in Foxborough this year or this week this past week. Downpouring rain, you could get in the building for I think ten bucks or something like that. Five. I I wouldn't have even paid five bucks, and I the no. real it has nothing to do. You with would the have had to pay me field. a large sum of money to be no. in that stadium. The only reason I wouldn't have paid the five bucks was because of the weather. Like yeah, if it yeah. wasn't the weather, like I'll still pay fifty bucks to go to Gillette Stadium to watch a game, like just for the experience mm-hmm. to go into the stadium and do the whole thing. Like I would still do it. Just give no matter what the product is on the field. See but yeah, that nifty lighthouse. Yeah, nobody giant, the giant schlong. <laughs> nobody, nobody could have paid me enough money to go in and sit on that Sunday in that downpouring rain, dude. Especially given what the product is this year. The Patriots lose a whopping uh, a hockey score. We'll call it a hockey score. Six nothing. <laughs> six nothing to the to the Chargers. Two field goals were enough in the second quarter to win this game by the uh the San Diego. Uh wow. The Los Angeles Chargers. I'm still calling them San Diego. I still do it with Las Vegas too. But um, yeah, what a what a boring game to watch. Like I I sat through the whole thing. I didn't turn it off. I'm not one of those bandwagon Patriots spoiled fans that will turn my team off when they suck. I'm not one of them. I know the Patriots fan base has a lot of them right now. I don't think Joe's one of them because we were talking during this game. Even though Joe tweeted out uh, during this game, I would be playing Madden by halftime. <laughs> Did you play Madden by halftime? Did you play Madden at no. halftime? I may have beat the Chargers by 40 points at the half. <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna say. It's it's not giving up on your team. It's a coping mechanism. When <laughs> it's the a fair Bills, point. When the Bills beat the Jets a couple weeks ago, I must have beat the Bills six times in a row <laughs> before turning football back on. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think though, Mac Jones was had like 400 yards passing, which is like the most unrealistic fucking simulation yeah. of football ever. Yeah. You're um, pretending but, uh, to be you're pretending to be Joe Buck by yourself. You're like, this is the greatest performance we've ever seen. <laughs> I could totally picture Joe doing that. <laughs> but I'll I'm be just honest, crying. I'm just bawling my eyes out. It wouldn't have even been fun for me to play as the Patriots in Madden during that game. It's it just would have pissed me off more. It would have pissed me off more having to throw the ball with Mac Jones. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Or even would have been worse doing it was Bailey Zappi out there. I wouldn't have thrown a single screen out of spite. <laughs> No, the, that's the that's the team that like when you were younger you used to play your cousin or younger siblings and you would let them be like the nasty team. You're like, I'll be the Patriots, and then like that's how it yeah. <laughs> Now when I but, play the Patriots, I want to do the trick where you like plug the controller in like under the fucking Xbox, <laughs> so it doesn't really. You're not really playing. But yeah, g- getting back to the game here, like there's a couple things I want to talk about here. 
Bailey Zappi playing, we we know what he is. We we we've seen it now for for two seasons now. He's not not an NFL starting quarterback. We know that. But I will say this: watching him play and move around behind that offensive line was like, dude. If Mac Jones had the ability to do something like this and make like strong throws with with his decision making that he was built with coming out of college, like he would be a lot better. Like he had Mac. This game, what this game told me was, well, it didn't tell me it, but like Mac Jones, obviously we knew wasn't the guy, but like seeing Bailey Zappi a backup move around back there, Mac Jones would have. If Mac Jones was back there, dude, he's off his back foot throwing picks all day, mm-hmm. and. It just it's just it's it's frustrating because you see guys like Gardner Minshew who's a backup, and I'm gonna go back a couple of weeks from when they played against the Patriots over in Germany, and I said this after that game. Gardner Minshew put on a clinic on how to make something out of nothing, gets out of the pocket, but was able to make some throws. Mac Jones would throw the pick and just throw off his back foot and panic. And it's something you got to see out of your quarterback and seeing Bailey Zappi do that. It was encouraging to see that not that's this is not me praising Bailey Zappi in any way, but like seeing his ability to kind of create a little bit was, 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 was a nice change to what we have seen for the last 12, what 12, 12 weeks of, of Patriots Great, football. zero points and zero snaps inside the red zone. It's, it's still a problem. I'm not, again, I'm not sitting here saying I totally that he's agree, good. Dude, I totally agree with you, dude. But it was like, it was like every time he needed to make that play that you're talking about, avoid the rush and do something on third and fourth down when it was a very important time in the game, maybe when they would, I don't know, score a fucking point. Like they always see, he always seemed to get sacked in that scenario. And it's like the situational awareness. Like they had one where they had, there would have been either a short fourth down or the ability to kick a field goal. And he takes a sack, pushing them out of field goal range and pushing them out of a range where they could go for it. And it's like mm-hmm. the, I have it down. I'm like, dude, the offense looked, it did look more functional, like just more functional in general. Like they had one, they had one procedural penalty where Trent Brown, fucking substituted incorrectly but like everything itself like it looked more like it looked more like an actual professional operation but like it's still not good enough like you have bailey zappy like putting in like making his best throw of the day that goes right between taekwon thornton's hands 40 yards down the field that was a dime that was a dime dude and it's just Mm -hmm. like he he's not talented enough to make that play consistently but when he makes that play you have to capitalize on it mm-hmm. and the Patriots just don't have the skill position players to do so and it's so sad to see dude Ramondre was getting going dude he was getting to the second level yeah on that second drive dude he had like 30 40 yards on that second drive and then the next and then the next the uh, first or second carry of the next uh of the next uh drive he gets his leg caught up under somebody on the hip drop tackle which I don't even want to get into because it's like you can't legislate every play out of the game but that one seems to be claiming more lives than any of the other ones that are actually are kind of banned here. But yeah, it's just a sad state of affairs. It's 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 they don't even attempt a field goal. You, you don't even get close to field goal range. And even if you were, you don't have a kicker that you trust to make anything outside of thirty yards. Like their punter was going off all game. They didn't have really any any good field goal, uh, any field good field position. Um, the defense played well, but I mean, doesn't really matter, dude. Like. I think the Chargers are kind of giving it to you at some points. I don't think they were good situationally at all today. Justin Herbert wasn't very, like, wasn't very efficient at all today. I think this game could have been blown wide open with a comparable offense on the other side of the ball. 
But like like it is, I think the Patriots are just the on Bill Belichick's only goal right now is to keep it not embarrassing. He doesn't want to get embarrassed. He doesn't want to have the crafts get embarrassed. But I think regardless of what goes on the field, how empty that fucking stadium was on Sunday was embarrassing to me as a Patriots fan. Yeah, it's just no, I just uh I mean this is just so surreal for me, like being like <laughs> like watch like watching this. Like growing up, like they were like always the big brother. And like don't get me wrong, they're still they still Till you beat us. Till you beat us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But wait a couple of weeks. I don't know. This this is a this is a very deflated Patriots team, and it's very weird to see how this is panning out. And I just I, I just want to ask you guys, like, where do you start? Like, obviously, this is rebuilding mode now, 100%. Like, is it is it adding players? Is it getting rid of Bill? Like, do you start fresh? Poking the well, bear right here. To, Poking the dude, bear. I, just think, I mean, the, the only, I think the only thing we can agree on, Burgess, is you have to start with the OC. You score the least amount of points in, in league history. You score the least, least amount of points since 2011, 2013. You lose your job. The OC loses its job. You know what the you know what the last team to score this least this least amount of points in 13 games was? It was the 2010 uh, Rams. You know who was the OC there? Josh McDaniels. So every time that you have a quarterback that's not fucking Tom Brady, this offense doesn't fucking work. You know why? It's way too fucking complicated, and it predicates on the quarterback being fucking perfect every down, every every third down, every third and five. It calc- It has. It it depends on the quarterback and the wide receiver being on the exact same page and making a surgical cut in the defense. It doesn't work like that anymore. It doesn't. You don't have enough practices in the preseason. You don't have enough OTAs. You don't have enough practices during the season with pads on to get the timing down, to get all these well-oiled machines. Shy, you were talking about offensive line continuity and why the why the Eagles are so good. It's the same group of players playing over and over again. That's why the Patriots' offenses were so good. It's because we had Gronk and Edelman and Brady playing within the system for 10 years straight. If we're starting all over again, we shouldn't be starting with one of the most complicated run uh, pass systems ever in football. Like, we have to start there. You have to modernize the offense. You have to get a player that is comparable to today's game. You cannot have a static pocket passer and let's just Joe Burrow. And you see what's happening to him. He's getting absolutely murdered. So if you don't have the offensive line, you don't have the quarterback, you don't have the OC, it's pointless. It's pointless. you got to start there. you got to start with a new Young offensive mind. We can argue about that. We've argued about the fucking head coach a million fucking times. <laughs> they, we, we don't have to rehash the same fucking argument. Where, but the question you ask is where you start. Where you actually start is on the offensive side of the ball. You need Ferraris. You need Bugattis. You need you need Lamborghinis. I'm done with the fucking Nissan Altimas. I'm done with the Honda Civics. I'm done with the fucking Geo Prisms. I'm done with it, dude. You got to go get Ferraris, and you got to go get a fucking race car driver who can drive it. Jeez, a geo a geo prism reference there. I'm Shout with out you, Matt Joe. Bennett. Shout out Matt Bennett, the geo prism. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, with you on that. I think that it's. I'll go a step further. It's not just the OC. I think a lot of the offensive coaches need to go. Somebody like Troy Brown. All right, respected, revered wide receiver for this team. Hasn't really been able to get these wide receivers up to speed. And I, you say what you want about the talent that they have. But like, Adrian, the, oh, sorry, you're going, you're going, you're going. The guys that they have, the guys that they have at wide receiver, like Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Pop Douglas, Booty, like Kendrick Bourne, like those guys are guys with they they do have talent. They do have talent. They're not they're not you know dipping into that talent with the way that the things the thing is run this year. Tyquan Thornton running bad routes, dropping balls. I mean, you could say what you want about him being a bust, yeah, and, and all that. But like, where is he? 
he, he, he showed up on Unfortunately, Sunday. Unfortunately, he was on the field on Sunday, Shiloh. He did have he did have a nice play. He did have a nice play in this game. He had a 39-yard rush on a sweep that was like, where has this been all year when he's been healthy? Like, why haven't they, they not run this? The guy has speed. The guy does he's have speed. He's actually worse than Nikhil Harry. They put up the stats. He was actually he is actually worse. has less he is worse. receptions and less yeah. yards than Nikhil Harry. He hasn't been hurt. He's he, it's best abilities availability. He's been hurt the whole time. True. He's always been hurt. And you know, he can't momentum off anything. You want to talk about Adrian Clem? I mean, the offensive line has been like awful. I mean, they returned what four four guys this year. They returned a Wenyu, Andrews, Strange, and Brown this year from last year, and they have looked light years worse than what they were last year, which is deeply concerning. And yeah, you could say like some of these guys are getting older. We know about Trent Brown and his 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 issues. He's always had issues about giving all the effort and all that. We know about him. The Cole Strange the practice today, standing in the corner. Dude, he's standing in the dude, he's standing in the corner without his helmet, not even in his hands, just standing there in the corner with his arms folded, watching the offensive line go through drills. It's like that's bad. Just fucking, just fucking de- just get him out of here. Just get him out. Just get him but, out. But the thing is, though, like if you look at some of the grades on his on his performances this year when he's been out there, he's been pretty good. Like he's been pretty good at that position. Michael Wenyu, now that he's a right tackle, he's had a little bit of hiccups here. But like mm-hmm. I think if they give him like a full offseason and a full like the full thing at that position and just commit to him at that spot, he's going to be good. He showed he showed it. He could play left tackle. It, maybe, maybe. I'm not I'd like, love to see it. I just think a right tackle or a left tackle have totally different body compositions. You want to be a little bit more lean on the left side, a little bit more yeah. on the right side. You got to be quicker on the left side because you got to protect yeah. that blind side. But I think he's quick. I just think I think I think he's built like a guard right now, and it's kind of tough to like transform your body mid season, especially when Absolutely. you're trying to keep it. Because if you, if you get your weight all out of whack, if you're an offensive lineman, it could totally change the way you play, and it could totally change the way you use leverage and all that shit. But yeah, I don't. It's you, so shut- like you said, where you start is you gotta you gotta modernize the defense is the defense the defense is the defense like if we're gonna They're keep fine. keeping Bill if we're gonna be keeping Bill because it kind of I think it's 50-50 right now I think that I think there there is a possibility they could get rid of him but I think it's probably just as high of a possibility that they keep him so the defense is the defense I think there's a lot of loose ends you got to tie up there with the Duggars and and I think the front seven. You're getting kind of old there with just Barmore and Keon White kind of as your young studs there. I think you have to find somebody in the middle, even though Tavai is good. But I think Bentley Bentley and Tavai, you can only hold it together so long there. But you have a lot of talent on the back end. You do have Duggar, who you can sign. You have uh, you have friggin' uh, Peppers, 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 who's been who's been by far their best player on defense. Then you have John Jones, who absolutely shut down, who looked like he was shutting down Keaton Allen in the first half of that game, and then they went to a little bit more zone in the second half, and he started eating over the middle. But I think that John Jones and Christian Gonzalez is more than enough as your top two corners. I think Duggar and Peppers is almost enough. I think you need a free safety, but almost enough on the back end. I think you have good pieces on the front end. But it's just you just you can't win games zero to zero. You gotta you gotta you gotta put up points. And I think if I think dude, if you went out and you fucking spent some guy, if you go give Michael Pittman a bag, go fucking draft Caleb Williams, let him paint his fingernails, whatever you want, make his mom the OC, draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Go back into the top five with every pick you ever had and get Marvin Harrison Jr. too. And you have fucking Zeke Ramondre with two Ferraris on the outside with Caleb Williams in a new in a in a brand new OC with that defense letting up. 10 points a game, dude, that's a scary team going forward. But you get like you, the, to get to that point, you have to totally dismantle the way of doing things that the Patriots have been for the last 20 years. And that's going to be tough with the precedent they set. 
Absolutely. And Shai, I'm curious on how you feel as a uh, unbiased person here sitting in the room here. Yeah, a hundred percent. As an outsider to Pats Nation, I I, I want to piggyback off of what you said, Joe. It's the they need to develop a new mindset. Go out, bite the bullet, go get stars. Like he Bill Belichick's been doing his whole career with the Patriots as finding diamonds in the rough and being like, Oh wow, how did Bill find that person? Like Swallow some pride. Just go for the best guy. Use your use your cap room that you have. Pick up some people. You're not gonna like you've had some luck. Yeah, I know the um uh what is it, Michael Away new or you guys, on new. you guys got him in the what, the fourth round? That was a good seventh pickup round, at the time. Right? And he was it seventh? I thought it was fourth. Yeah, dude, fifth, I think but, it was late, late. But uh but still, like add some stars to your team. Like your receiver core need your receiver core needs it. Running back, I know Ramondi. Yeah, six Ramondi round, one eighty-two overall. That's crazy. Yeah. But um, just bring bring players that that your fan base is going to want to go see at Gillette. Like, as an outsider, like I know I'm still in the division, so I have a good, pretty good education of you guys' team. But for the rest of the NFL, you name your receiver core, you name your linemen, you name most of your defense. They've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. Yeah, especially today when it's like it's oh, dude. Look at look at the Niners Eagles game. It's Debo. It's fucking Christian McCaffrey. It's all Iuke. those studs on the offense. It's Ayuk. It's all those big names making plays. And I think that the Patriots used to win on the margins, but I think mm-hmm. they need to start winning in the middle now. Like I think that I think that they need to use that to get over the top, not to get to where they need yeah. to go. Like I think that the scouting and everything that the Patriots used to kind of like be ahead with. I think has all kind of caught up to the Pats. And now when they kind of do things as they're usually doing it, the player pool that they're picking from, like those steals, those flyers, is getting smaller because I think other teams are starting to see the same things they are. And I think, Chai, you're right, dude. Even if they go out and make some splashes and get some star power in there, those guys play for those guys play for Belichick. Look when you what mm-hmm. you went and got Randy Moss and he puts up 23 touchdowns, 1,800 yards. So like Belichick has these ways of getting these players to buy into the system, which I still think mm-hmm. he can do. But you need to do that as well as winning on the margins. That's like a team like dude, a team like Detroit, dude. They sign, they get the big, they get they. I mean, I know they lo- they're losing the trade, giving up, getting the two first round picks and trading away Matt Stafford, but they get a big acquisition in 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 golf, and then they just nail a bunch of top draft picks at skill positions. So like you gotta you gotta do it both ways. Look at the Eagles, dude. They traded for AJ Brown, but they drafted Hurts, Devontae Smith. They drafted they drafted a lot of players. They drafted Jalen Carter mm-hmm. on defense. Like the same thing with the 49ers, dude. They have they have big free agents. Actually, they really don't have a lot of big free agents. They so. they've hit on a lot of their picks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's and and some good trades Jaylen too. Look Carter. at the Trace, Chase 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 Young trade. Yeah, Jalen DMC Carter, DMC yeah. trade too. You know, so, I like, think I think you got to do it both ways. You can't just you can't just try to like find take flyers on people like Pop Delegates in the draft and expect them to carry your franchise like taking a flyer on Gronk in the second round does in like whatever 2010. But Crap. even with that, go ahead. Sorry, Verge. Even even with that though, you want to build through the draft. I, I can't remember. I can't remember a time other than this past uh, draft where the Patriots stayed at their stayed at their pick and drafted. No, they still traded back. They still traded back. They, they, still, still, they traded okay. back two picks. Yeah, like once again, bite the bullet. Get a star player. Don't try to bite back and then double down on more picks and see what you can do with it in the later rounds. Just if you have somebody there available sitting at your pick, just take them. Because at this point, the Patriots the Patriots don't have a position that they don't need. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of this comes down to the owner opening up his checkbook. Like I we've we've talked about it on this pod going back and forth, like how much 
how much blame does Belichick get? How much blame does Kraft get for this whole thing? And I think that Kraft needs to really open up the checkbook. And uh, again, if we, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but like they need a whole new player personnel department. They need somebody else making decisions. We all agree on that. And Kraft needs to be able to fork the money and be able to swallow like a 70 plus million dollar guaranteed contract for a player. If his team wants to be big, like I, I don't even care, like spend the money, spend all the money on these, on these big dudes to get, to get the star power in there. And you're going to get the, you're going to fill your seats. If you, if regardless of how the team performs, if you have that star power, Kraft's going to get his return on investment because the seats are going to be filled and the merchandise is going to be sold. So at the end of the day, they, they have to do that. And like my stance on bill is like, I want him to stay. I'm a big bill stand. Joe and I disagree on that whole thing. And, but there needs to be changes. If he's not willing to give up yeah. the GM role, if he's not willing to give up the offense or, or, or pay for people, then I want him gone too. Play, because wheelchair off the cliff. Yes. What was what was the last big <laughs> signing you guys had? Judon? How did that work out? It worked great. Yeah. Hunter Henry was good too. Hunter Henry so was good, was, but they also had a couple of whiffs in there too. <laughs> that was the John U. Smith Hunter Henry free agency. Nelson Aguilar, like that too. Yeah. yeah that oh, whole yeah. thing. Born Born was they nailed Born, they nailed Judon, they nailed Henry. So yeah. whatever. But yeah, dude, did uh, not to bro, not to go too off topic on a football podcast. But Shai, did you just see what happened? The New York no. Yankees have acquired Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox for three pitchers. They made a trade really? with the Yankees. Wow! Yeah, Red Sox and Yankees. Red Sox are sending Ooh. Verdugo to the Yankees. Who do, who are the pitchers? Farm league, I imagine. I, I, yeah, I have no idea. No, no Prospects. fucking idea. Uh, the uh, for right-handers Richard Fitz, Greg Weiser, and Nicholas Judas. Weiser's good. He's yeah. young too. I can't believe like the Red Sox like made I'll a trade with the pay, Yankees. Like yeah, I'll that's never on. pay any money to go to that fucking dump of a fucking ballpark owned by that fucking cheap prick, fucking John Henry dude. Go fuck, fuck. Buy another hockey team. Buy another soccer team. You piece of shit. <laughs> Prioritize you. the Pittsburgh Penguins over the Red fuck Sox. You. That's what he's doing. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Anyway, right. you, let's talk about two more good teams and then get to the, some gambling and get the fuck out of here. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll talk about the Chiefs and the Packers. The Chiefs and the Packers uh, played on Sunday. Packers with the upset at home against the Chiefs with Taylor Swift in attendance. I can't fucking stand that whole thing. 27 and 19. I want to know your thoughts on this. I, I have some thoughts about the officiating on this I want to get into, but uh, Joe, I want you to run with this here. I, Jordan Love looked pretty good in this game. I'm trying to uh, – I was trying to pull up the uh, – oops, I did it again by Britney Spears and playing into my mic. But <laughs> – all right. So, the Packers, they did it again. They did it again. They did it. They did it again. They've done it three times in a fucking row. They did it again. Right in the Bears' face, right in the Patriots' face, right in the Jets' face. They did it again. Dude, I saw a great tweet where it was just like in the year – they were like uh, – Jordan Love has already signed a futures contract with the Jets to play for them in 2043. I thought that was <laughs> but, uh, but, dude, Jordan Love, 25 of 36, 267 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 90 QBR, 119 quarterback rating. Dude, and you see him, he's rolling out to his right, throwing across it. So rolling out to his right, throwing to the sidelines, rolling out to the left, throwing across his body, hitting guys right in the fucking, right in the numbers. He's taking, dude, he's even doing the stuff that Rodgers does, the off-platform, rolling out and all that shit, but he's also standing in the pocket, stepping up and ripping balls over the middle, which is like a little bit different than how Rodgers plays the game. I think they're, they, 
another team that hit on a couple draft picks at the at the wide receiver position. They got Watson and Dobbs or Dobbs, but they're both yep, yeah. they're both good. And I think they hit on a. They, I think their defense is vaunted as well. Uh, I don't think they played uh, a flawless game. I think they got some help from the officiating, but so didn't KC. I th- I don't think KC their margin for error this year is a lot smarter uh, a lot smaller than it usually is. I've been applauding them this whole year about how they've kind of been able to win the game a couple different ways. Um, but I think so much is on Mahomes this year. Um, you see him throwing that uh, that pick late in the game pretty much sealed their feet, especially after Green Bay goes down and kicks a field goal. So, um, yeah, like I said, the Chiefs are finding different ways to win games. They couldn't find a way to win this game. That's a, It's a lot tougher when Mahomes isn't playing perfect. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't typical Mahomes-like in this game. But, yeah, they, they – yeah, they fucking did it again. It's fucking aggravating. <laughs> it's it's ex- it's extremely aggravating. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Packers' remaining schedule, but they're not may may not only make uh make an impact in the playoffs, but they have the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings, and the Bears. Oh they God. could they, they, they could finish they could finish the season eleven and six when wow. they started what two and five. Mm-hmm. Wow. Imagine um, that being a ten win team. The yeah. year after Rodgers leaves, they win 10 games. I thought their offense was Damn. beautiful football this Sunday. Everything Winning 10 clicked, games after your franchise quarterback away. leaves. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That's that's really impressive. Nice. Yeah. Nice. They drafted a quarterback and developed him and had a plan. Oh. Yeah. They, nice. Uh, Sorry, what, you, what you were saying, Shai? Um, <laughs> I think it came down to a lot of things. Yeah, they're, they're receiving core, very young, but excelling way faster than anybody should have – anybody thought – um christian watson i hope he's okay that's a bummer way to get yeah. hurt at the end of the mm-hmm. game um but i think i think the chiefs kind of started to seal their feet fate even in the first quarter those three sacks in the red zone to make them kick two field goals bit them in the ass at the end of the game and then of course that that mahomes intersection in interception that just that was horrible yeah. he he threw it, he threw it basically back shoulder to the to the cornerback yep um yeah i don't I still don't have any uh, concern with the Chiefs. I think they're going to still make their way to the playoffs, obviously, still make a push in the playoffs. I don't think there's any concerns, but this says a lot about how wide open it is, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I want to kind of touch on that before I get to the officiating in this game. But like the Chiefs are really have their path is just to the Super Bowl is just getting easier with all of these quarterback injuries that are across the AFC. I mean, we saw Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. go down. You know, on Sunday, Joe Burrow's been out. Anthony Richardson's out. I mean, I'm missing some, but like, it's just, it's, it's been a year this year. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> him. <laughs> but like, it's just been an, an absolutely brutal year to be a quarterback in the NFL this year. They're all getting hurt, and it seems like they're all majority of them are in the AFC. So like, the Chiefs, the Chiefs can drop these games now, but if they get in the playoffs, like Mahomes is going to be the guy with the experience there. I think it's going to be a. I, I don't want it to be a cakewalk because I'm really, really hammering Houston as, as my team that I really want to be in the Super Bowl there. I really want to see a Detroit Houston Super Bowl. I that was something that I the, the casual NFL fan will hate, but as somebody that watches it every week, I want that so bad. I will. That is a game that I would be like, I'm taking off from work the next day. I'm doing the whole thing for that because I taking off of work. I'm taking off my pants, dude. That would be <laughs> that's a good break point. The, good point. Break out the Crisco. We're getting weird on a Sunday. Might yeah, be a live stream then right for Joe there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, the, the officiating in this game, dude. 
like we I've been hammering them all all year since we've been doing this podcast. It's been an absolute joke. And I know you you can't you know, the NFL officials make mistakes weekly every year, every year, but like this year it just seems like it's so bad. That rough unnecessary roughness penalty. I forget who the guy on Green Bay was that hit Mahomes. Oh, and Mahomes was, yeah. is like clearly standing Dude, in bounds. An yeah. absolutely <laughs> beautiful hit. It was a beautiful shoulder-to-shoulder hit. Mahomes is a guy that if a guy lets up right there, he's taking the liberty and taking the extra two or three yards on that. I love that hit. And that hit needs to be brought back into the game. But the yeah. NFL can't seem to get out of their own the, way with it. There's just such a gray area when it comes to those calls. Like nobody knows what's a penalty anymore. Um, all most of the Hall of Famers of the early 2000s would not be allowed to play in the league today, which is crazy. Absolutely, Harrison, like, Ed if, Reed, if, if a guy Lewis, like that, dude, those if, guys if, would if all a guy like, a, yeah, they'd be on a police scanner somewhere, dude. They would yeah. be calling the police on these people. Like if that's like, uh, sorry, ESPN's messing up on me here. Jesus, um, I know when we record, they. Only I know it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But like, but like, if that's Zach Wilson or Mac Jones or. Dude, is he is even like somebody like Jared Goff getting that call? Is your mm-hmm. your 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 stars are going to get that call, but like blatantly inbounds, and then what do they do? Like yeah. a play or two later, they miss a blatant pass interference call on on Valdez Scantling. Yeah, yeah. Like, back. That was bad. Clearly a makeup call. Clearly a makeup call. But like, dude, like it's it's impacting these games in big dude. moments. I'm so sick then- of it. And then you have fucking Tom Brady coming out and be like, you can't have all these plays. And I'm like, dude, you're the reason that all of this fucking bitchification has happened from the game, dude. I understand that there's a bunch of stats out there about how, like, Allen and Mahomes have had more, like, rough in the past. I'm like, dude, the reason, dude, Tom Brady blew out his knee in 2008 and they made the Brady rule. You can't hit them under the, you can't hit them under the knee when they're planted throwing. So it's like, oh, those, those comments rub me though. It's like all the fucking pro golfers coming out about the golf ball being like, it's not going to make a difference. And then Tom Brady fucking so tone deaf, so tone deaf. All of these rules were made because of him and Peyton Manning turning it into a quarterback-centric league, playing up the Brady-Manning rivalry, when, newsflash, quarterbacks never take the field at the same time. So how much of a fucking actual rivalry is it, dude? It's one person playing against one entity and another person playing against a different entity. I never got that shit. But it's like Tom Brady, so fucking tone-deaf with the physicality of the game. Dude, Tom Brady... Tough dude. I won't take anything away from the guy. You've seen there's that one play where versus the Bills in his first or second season where yeah, he yeah. decapitated. Mm-hmm. He played that uh AFC championship game versus uh the Jaguars with like literally his bone hanging out of his pit, like the palm of his hand. He played Super Bowl 42 versus the uh the Giants on a bad high ankle sprain. He was in a walking boot the whole week before. Like, dude, Tom Reed's a tough guy, but like they legislated the game to keep players like you healthy, and now you're spinning it back around. And the reason you played for that fucking long is because you didn't because take fucking rules, hits like yeah. that. You learned how to not take them, and they legislated them out of the game. It was so, oh, I just found that so – he's been so fucking cringe ever since he's left football. Dude, I will, I will do some fucked up shit just to do some fucked up shit just to say hi to Tom Brady in person. But, like, mm-hmm. him off the field and after, it's just, like, tone deaf, mil- millionaire – like fucking glad he lost a bunch of money in he, the FTX he, shit. Like he, fucking dude, he, just relax and go away. He's been cringed since he left New England. Let's be real. Like yeah, once it just once doesn't the, those, even look like himself. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, that yeah that that uh Bucks training camp interview when he came back from the plastic surgery that was that was terrifying. Oh, dude, <laughs> talking like this. I know he could barely move his mouth, and it's like, bro, we get it, dude. He's probably oh, all insecure because him and Giselle were on the outs and she's like banging yeah. her fitness instructor. He's like, yo, I got to fill this fucking face full of Botox immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. 
I I'm I'm good with that game. I think they like we I think we hit on everything there. Joe, you want to start running with the picks? Yeah, dude, we had a fucking week headlined by Bears with a nice three and zero for the weekend, carrying the boys. Um, so we had Bears at three and zero. He hit Indy minus one, Arizona plus five and a half, which was the longest game in NFL football history. Mm-hmm. Delayed eight times. They never got to play that game, but uh, Arizona ends up winning outright. Plus five and a half hits there, and then his lock Houston minus three and a half with a nice pick by uh, Houston <laughs> on the goal line to end that game. <clears throat> so nice three and zero week from Bears. Move down to – we'll just uh, knock off Kojak real quick here. He ended up having Philly plus three at home. Pick missed by 20 points, but we appreciate the pick nonetheless. Um, and then I went two and one on the uh, on the week last week. Uh, my one loss was Cleveland plus five. They were covering that whole fucking game. They were playing good. Joe Flacco looked like Joe Flacco of old. And then, like, the last seven minutes of that game, the Chargers walked to the middle of the field. They pulled down their pants, and they took a giant shit all over the fucking Cleveland Browns. So that's how that game went. Um, sorry, Shy, but I did have Atlanta minus two and a half. That was like stealing candy from a fucking baby. Usually you don't do usually you don't if you think a game's going under, you usually don't think that the uh the winning team the favorite's gonna cover. But given how anemic both of those offenses are, I think two and a half was an easy cover there. And then my lock was Detroit minus three and a half. Got a little squirrely kind of at the beginning of the fourth quarter there with uh, the Saints kind of tr- making a comeback, but they uh, were ended up being able to hold down and cover the three, the number of three and a half. Um, <clears throat> I'll just roll right into my picks from this week. Oh, actually, no. Let's do a little recap. Let's do a little fucking brag. I'm going to fucking brag real quick. So after a five and two weekend for the BTP boys, that moves us to a uh, overall of 30, 25, and 2, which is fucking legit. Five games over 500, 57 games picked. That's pretty good. And then uh, we have a, our locks are 11 and 6, so almost a uh, 65% clip on our locks there. So I feel like that's pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, I'll roll right into our picks for this week. My pick for this week, I'll have, uh, I, I have two outside of my lock. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, Baltimore minus seven. I think uh, the the Ravens are rolling. They had a nice week to get off to get everybody healthy. That's a team there that they have a lot of injury concerns, but when they all play and they're all lubed up, playing together, we'll find uh, finally oiled, uh, finally tooled tool machine. Uh, I think they could easily cover seven at home versus the Rams. I think the Rams have a little bit of fool's gold there. I think they kind of busted that game open versus the uh, versus the Browns, like we talked about at the end there. I don't think that was as much as a blowout as ever. it shows up on paper. Uh, the next game I have is uh, Carolina plus five at New Orleans. Um, I think that uh, getting rid of your coach is going to give you a little bit of a pop. I think that the, Car- the Panthers showed a little bit of fight this week. I think New Orleans – is a team ripe for the picking, especially when you have you don't know what quarterback they're going to be going with there. I think that's a classic. They have the pieces around it, but still the guy driving the car is not good enough to win the NFL games. Excuse me. So I think uh, Carolina, with a little bit of emotion from losing losing their coach and showing a little fight last week, can cover a uh, can cover a five point number there. Brings me to our lock. We're gonna be we're a Stroud boys. Stroud boys stand back. Stroud boys stand <laughs> tall. We are taking Houston minus five and a uh, five and a half. Um, that'll be my lock for this week. So my two picks will be Baltimore minus seven, Carolina plus five, and the lock for the week is uh, Houston minus five and a half. CJ Stroud, we love you. Come on the pod. Burge, what do you got for me? Love it. Love it. Um, I'm going to start off. I have my two picks here. I'm going to go with the Browns minus three. They're playing 
the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. As we know, Trevor Lawrence got hurt at the end of the game last night on Monday night. Not going to be playing next weekend there. I think that Cleveland has found ways to win games this year, despite their own quarterback problems. You know, Joe Placco again had a day, you know, against the Rams this past week. I like them to continue that. They're, they're firmly, they're in a good playoff position right now. So they've got a lot to play for. So give me, give me the Browns minus three at home against the Jaguars with, you know, I don't even know who Jacksonville's backup quarterback is at this point. So CJ Bethard. Yeah. CJ Bethard. CJ Bethard. Yeah. We'll go with him. We'll go with him. Yeah. So give me, give me, give me the Browns there. I'm going to follow up uh, my last week's one of my last week wins here with Indianapolis. And I'm going to take the minus one on the road against Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati kind of played the game of their life last night against the Jacksonville Jaguars to come in with, you know, with Jake Browning as their quarterback. Uh, I like Indianapolis to continue rolling. They're also in the playoff hunt right now. I like them to, uh, to continue rolling with Gardner Minshew. I've liked, I've really liked what Gardner Minshew has done this year, filling in for Anthony Richardson with, with the Indianapolis Colts. So, so give me the Colts minus one there. My lock of the week. Joe and I had a little bit of bone of contention on this before we got on recording because we both are massive, massive Detroit Lions stands. I'm going to be taking the lock of Detroit minus three um, this week. Dude, I like them to keep rolling, man. I mean, they're playing the Chicago Bears. They're on the road, but the Chicago Bears have been one of those teams that's been kind of a mess this year, you know, in terms of what they've done. They have um, been, you know, fighting injuries with their quarterback and just it just it's been dysfunctional so i like detroit to keep rolling keep keep up their uh their hunt for that number one seed i know now they're only a game back you know with the 49ers and the eagles you know leading the uh leading the pack right now but i'm not going away from my boys i'm i'm rolling with the lions all the way to the end i'll go down with that ship so give me the lions minus three as my lock this week shy you got a pick for us yeah, I got two picks for you. I really wish Kojak was on here so I could hear the picks, not the pick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but just just like him, I'm I'm big on uh, player props. But with it being so early in the week that we're recording, not many are out right now. Uh, one that I found interesting for the Patriots and Steelers game is they have they have either team to score three unanswered times. Um, I don't find that happening at all. They have it at plus one thirty. Um, I'm going to take that. Um, Love it. So no, no at plus one thirty. Yeah, no at plus one thirty. Uh, either team to score three unanswered times. Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah, not, gonna, not yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, um, my they, they have to score three times total for that to happen. Exactly. <laughs> so that in itself makes it a logical exactly. fallacy. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I feel pretty confident about that one. Um, I'm a little aggressive on my lock of the week. Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go uh, Eagles money line. I think it is crazy to think that they're going to lose two games in a row and g- doesn't matter where they are. I know AT&T Stadium, Kojak can attest to that. Like it is wild in that stadium, but I, I don't see that. Da- I don't see Dallas beating Eagles at all. I feel like Eagles are going to bounce back from this and people want to forget. Yeah. I know the 49ers beat the Eagles 42 to 19, but they also beat the Cowboys 42 to 10 mm-hmm. earlier in the season. Uh, okay. I see, I see the Eagles coming out on this. I Where's like the it. Line there? Oh, it's, I got the uh, the e- Where's the money line? 
plus 154 for the Eagles, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a good pick. One, yeah, I got it at 153. Yeah, let's go. I like that. I like that pick, Shaq. Yeah. I think course, that the Cowboys uh, are a little bit of a paper tiger, too. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Cowboys are a good team. They'll Obviously, they're going to be in the playoff picture. But um, I, I just I, I think the Eagles, looking at their schedule, I don't think they're losing another game this season. Well, they kind of just the, went through the gauntlet, right? They had a bunch of tough games in a row. They only ended up dropping one. Yeah, the Cowboys is their last tough one, and then it dies down. They got the Giants twice to end the season. Nice. Cakewalk. Must be fucking nice, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find a Zach Wilson over four touchdown passes better. I, <laughs> uh, I don't think not, that many zeros on the fucking odds could fit in these fucking Excel cells. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you guys got anything else you guys want to hit on before we plug this sucker up? No. Just start slamming the picks. We're getting hot again. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, as always, you guys, you guys can follow us on Twitter at BTP underscore podcast underscore. I'm on there at Burge the Goalie. Joe Sure is on there at the underscore Juicy Jew. If you guys like hockey, be sure to check out the Two Pets Sad podcast that I'm uh, I'm a co-host of. Um, you can check them out on the socials there on the, uh, or on Primetime productions websites. We're all there. If you want to buy tickets to a game, you want to go see the Patriots on Thursday night, or actually it might be on the road, but if you want to go see the Patriots at their next home game to, you know, suck it up to get us there, uh, get us that number one overall draft pick. Be sure to use SeatGeek And, uh, if you use the two pad stack podcasts, promo code, it's the number two pad stack pod, um, You'll save twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek order. So if you be, we want to, uh, you want to check out a game, and that goes for any sport. Doesn't have to be, uh, doesn't have to be football or hockey. It can be basketball. You want to go to a Celtics game or a Knicks game or anything like that. Use that code and uh, save yourself uh, some cash. Twenty bucks off your first order. So, uh, Shy, you want to plug your socials in there for us? Uh, yeah, my handle is on Twitter, Shy underscore Vanhill. My Instagram is your homie Shiloh, and. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good deal with game time too, especially with the Patriots and Jets ticket prices right now. Probably if you if you get twenty dollars off, they'll probably give you fifteen dollars. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on with us. And thank uh, you for coming on, Shy. Yeah, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll hope to have you back on uh, maybe in the off season, maybe towards the end of the year, we can see where our teams are at. Both our teams are are kind of. We won't Depressed. say they're playoff teams, but they're uh, they're, they're dumpster fires right now. So it'll be good to uh, some some good off season talk coming. So again, thanks again. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on. And uh, as always, guys, we'll we'll see you all next week. Have a good week. Pleasure having me, guys. Peace, out, boys. Peace.